0: We commence today's show in dialogue with Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. about why Black History Month is the appropriate time for Cherokee Nation to expand its executive order on equality for the freedmen. The freedmen being the former black slaves of the Cherokee. I am pleased to welcome Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. to this program. Uh, Chief Hoskin, how are you today, sir? Tavis, I am doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. It's my great delight to have you on. Thank you for the time. Glad we got these 30 minutes to sort of walk through this. Uh, it is the last day of Black History Month. Uh, around here, of course, we celebrate Black History every day. But I was taken um, by your your comments earlier in this month. Uh, you chose Black History Month to make uh, the announcement that you were expanding um, uh, this uh, this measure. So first of all, tell me about the measure, and then we'll talk about the, the, the freedmen, uh, these black slaves of the Cherokee Nation. First, uh, your equality measure.
1: Sure, so this builds on an executive order that uh, I issued in November of 2020. And so taken together, the original executive order and and the more recent uh, amendment, what it does is it says we've got to not only look at the letter of the law on freedom and equality, we've got to lean into it and embrace the spirit. We have to take real steps and some of those real steps are let's go into communities where Freedmen uh, citizens uh, or Cherokee citizens of Freedman descent are disproportionately living let's make sure we're bringing information on programs and services into those communities attending community functions that we're talking about parts of the Cherokee Nation North Tulsa being one of those areas and many people are familiar with the Tulsa Race Massacre, Black Wall Street, I'm talking about those areas where we historically have underinvested, and you can 't fix that unless you go into the communities and start listening and learning so that 's one thing it does here I think is the more important substantive thing it does i 've been concerned since Freedmen have been fully embraced in terms of legal equality i 've been concerned that there are barriers to access to these programs and services so we 're going to study are Cherokee citizens of freedman descent disproportionately not getting college scholarships are they not accessing health services are they not getting opportunities for housing assistance are they not getting opportunities to get on the job training job training there's a range of services we provide at the Cherokee Nation we're really a government that believes in taking care of people that's still something we believe in Mm -hmm. I'm concerned though that because of centuries, uh, really generations uh, is more apt of denying the civil rights of, uh, of freedmen that they' just there's just barriers in place. We got to study those and when we find them, we got to fix them.
0: You've heard uh, Chief Hoskins say already uh, on more than one occasion uh, make reference to uh, the Cherokee citizens of freedmen descent, Cherokee citizens of freedman descent. So I know you're asking yourself, who are these freedmen? Who are these black slaves? Uh, of uh, of Cherokee Nation in days past. And uh, some of you might might even be surprised to know that this this even exists, that there was a relationship between black folk and the Cherokee Nation, uh, that even Native Americans owned slaves. Um, here we are on the last day of Black History Month, still empowering you with a storyline that you may not be familiar with. We'll do more of that when we come forward with Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Yeah, Tab is Smiley. Continues when we come forward.
1: Do you say...
0: Sounds different. Huh. This, this is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in conversation with Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr., talking about why Black History Month, even though we're on the last day uh, of this month, uh, is the right time to uh, make good on the injustices done against tribal citizens of freedmen descent. So uh, it, it's time for a history lesson here, um, uh, uh, Chief Hoskin. Uh, tell us about uh, Cherokee Nation and its involvement, in fact, uh, with the slave trade.
1: Well, glad to do it, and I want to preface it by saying this, there is an unfortunate movement in this country to whitewash history, deny the stories of marginalized people, and I want everyone to know that we are doing the exact opposite of the Cherokee Nation, and we're really stronger for it, so here's what we've been doing after the executive order. In 2020, we launched a really powerful initiative, which was the Freedmen Art and History uh, uh, Project. We got Cherokee citizens of Freedmen descent to uh, be on a committee to say, how can we better understand your experience? How can you explore your experience? It resulted in a really powerful exhibit in our own uh, history museum so that we as Cherokees could confront this difficult history. So let's dig into that difficult history. Mm -hmm. For about a century before 1863, Cherokee Nation enslaved black people under our own laws. That happened uh, in the Cherokee Nation and it's something that we have to talk about Cherokee Nation is now in what is northeast Oklahoma our original homelands was in the southeastern part of the United States in places like Georgia parts of Tennessee uh in, in that part of the, of the country and of course we know what was going on in the 19th century in that part of the country um, slavery was um, unfortunately alive and well so we uh passed laws to enslave other human beings we did so and as time went by, that became, of course, uh, building our own economy on the backs of, of enslaved people. Uh, and so we were, of course, under our own uh, era of oppression by the United States, suppression and dispossession. And there's an entire history that people need to know about our forced removal, known as the Trail of Tears, who walked with us on the Trail of Tears? Well, our slaves. Uh, and uh, they made that journey. We continue to enslave them after we came to our new homeland in 1839. As time goes by, the Civil War visits the Cherokee Nation. Cherokee Nation is split politically mm-hmm. uh, as a government in terms of north and south. And there's all sorts of interesting and, 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 and sometimes complicated reasons for our allegiance that are kind of unique to the Cherokee Nation. But that was a divisive time period for not only the United States uh, that's putting it mildly but the Cherokee Nation 1863 and this coincides with the emancipation proclamation uh, by Abraham Lincoln in that time frame we uh, issued uh, an order freeing uh, Cherokee slaves we abolished slavery February 18th 1863 mm-hmm. At the conclusion of the Civil War, Tavis, we signed a treaty with the United States. And this is, if there was was no other thing that I mentioned in terms of the historical uh, uh, context, it's this moment. We signed a treaty with the United States in 1866. It's our last treaty with the United States. It's still the law of the land. And what it said was, we're not going to enslave people anymore, and we're going to give freedmen, the new freed slaves, and their descendants all the rights of Native Cherokees. Now that's a quote Mm -hmm. from that treaty that we signed. Now, in my line of work as a chief of an Indian nation, treaties mean something. We spend our lives trying to get the United States to make good on treaties, whether it's providing for the health and welfare of, of Native peoples, whether it's providing for hunting and fishing rights, territorial rights, all sorts of rights, we have to look at those treaties and understand that it's a collection of rights and obligations. So, Tavis, here's what happened next. Mm-hmm. This was a, a good part of Cherokee history. Cherokee citizens of freedmen descent were in the civic life of the Cherokee Nation. Right after 1866, they served in uh, political office, but as time went by and the Cherokee Nation was again suppressed by the United States and our governmental controls really nearly demolished most of the 20th century, freedmen were really excluded from a lot of Cherokee civic life. And since the 1970s, when we sort of reestablished our sovereignty under some new federal laws. We have, and this is what we have to confront, we have spent considerable resources and time denying that history that I just uh, described, denying the civil rights to the point where we actually voted to deny Freedmen any rights to be citizens, and that was in 2007. Mm. Uh, The Freedmen descendants took us to court, as they should have what we did in that context of that court case was we waived some sovereign immunity. We said, whatever the federal judge decides we're going to abide by. 2017, the federal judge says what everybody really knows, Tavis, which is that if you say that a people and their descendants have all the rights of native Cherokees, that's all the rights. That's not some of the rights. That's Mm -hmm. not some of the rights some of the time. That's not some of the rights if they have to go beg for them at the ballot box every few years. That's all of the rights forever. That's where we are in the Cherokee Nation. But it's not enough that we just, say, what's the letter of the law say? We're really trying to make meaningful efforts at unification, Mm -hmm. and not unification to the point, though, where we just sort of say, let's just forget the past. we got to remember the past, because that's an experience that is worth exploring so that we can understand where we came from. That's the nutshell, Tavis.
0: No, I love that nutshell. I did not want to interrupt. You laid that thing out brilliantly and beautifully, and because it is Black History Month, I am not above hearing a lecture uh, on black (laughs) history uh, and our relationship, or lack thereof, with, uh, with Native people. In this country. But that history now uh, leads me to ask a few questions, and I want to make the most of these 10 minutes I have left with you interrogating what you've just laid out uh, so brilliantly uh, and so transparently, uh, uh, Chief Hoskin. Let me start with this. Um, This is a basic question. Uh, Y'all should have known better. Y'all should have known better. Uh, I I correct people all the time. I correct people all the time, including Barack Obama, who famously said this in his big speech at the Democratic convention in Boston when John Kerry got the nomination. It was really Obama's coming out party. And everybody knew after that speech that night that this guy was going to have a major future. And he, of course, goes on to become the first elected black president of these United States. But in that speech that night, he talked about slavery being America's original sin. And I always say to people, I know what we mean when we say that. We are well-intentioned, but since we're in Black History Month, slavery was not America's original sin. America's original sin is what we did to the native people. That's the original sin. Uh, And then we come along behind that. I raise that because if we can be that uh, magnanimous (laughs) about what this country did to native people, then how could native people, given what happened to them, be so wrong as to enslave Africans, black people.
1: You know that's the real question. Uh, that's the real question. Uh, people who have uh, themselves been oppressed, like the Cherokee people, and and and, and really every indigenous people on this continent, um, how could we have turned around and enslaved other human beings? I think as you explore the history, uh, it the motivations uh, that uh, people in the United States and the government had to codify slavery and use slavery as an economic tool, uh, surely, surely informed yeah. what uh, Cherokee. Cherokee uh, People did. Then we had Cherokees who operated plantations, and, and the labor uh, that they chose was slave labor. And it's difficult to reconcile people doing that in the context of themselves being oppressed. And if I if I could ever unpack that fully and yeah, analyze it, no, I, I would it. Uh, I would write a book about it. Yeah. All I can say is that for so long we dealt with that by not talking about it. We dealt with that by in some ways, pretending it never happened, or, or just not wanting to acknowledge it, I think to get to a good answer to that question, an acceptable answer, mm-hmm. we have to take the steps we're taking right now. Is we have oh, yes. to say we did it because mm-hmm. we don't say we did it, we yep. can't uh, answer why we did it. So yeah. I'll get there someday, Tab. Yeah, it. this
0: is this this question here. Um, it re- requires a lot more time, and I don't have a lot of time with you. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we'll, we'll do it again somewhere down the road. But give me as succinct an answer as you can uh, to what you explained to us earlier when you suggested that even Cherokee Nation uh, uh, was split on the Civil War. I mean, there are two sides to this thing. How could the nation be split on the Civil War?
1: That's right. So, part of it was the split that you uh of course we all understand that the country was split. I mean, the I mean, some some politicians in the country might have a difficult time saying that the civil war is about slavery, but we know it was. And yeah. so there was a division within the Cherokee Nation over uh, slaveholders and non-slaveholders. The added element of that, and I think uh, perhaps predominant was the Cherokee Nation was looking at a federal government that was really failing to live up to a previous treaty known as the Treaty of New Echota. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, Treaty of 1838, all sorts of promises broken. And so the Southern government came to the Cherokee Nation and said, look, you side with us. We'll live up to all of those provisions the United States said they would live up to, land, finances, et cetera, and then some. And so a section of the the slaveholding sympathizers in the Cherokee government said, look, we can have our slaves and we can ensure that this treaty that's being broken by the United States is complied with. And mm-hmm. so you had, as a result, uh, not only a political split, but a military split, and you know, Cherokees killing each other. In fact, we had more deaths as a result of the Civil War than we had in the Trail of Tears. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, a, is sort of the succinct way of explaining mm-hmm. it, that it was the traditional things we understand to be the United States split over slavery, but it was also the added yep. element of the United States had denied uh, us the treaty rights.
0: I mean, they missed a the rereading. I go back to it every so many years. I mean, they missed a the rereading France Fanon's book, The Wretched of the Earth, that great black philosopher. Uh, And you think about that phraseology, the wretched of the earth, that includes black folk, it includes natives. We've all been treated and maltreated and regarded uh, as the wretched of the earth. But I wonder if you can tell me very quickly uh, what you know, broadly speaking, about those who remain uh, these Cherokee citizens of freedman descent. Give me a sort of profile of who these uh, black and uh, black and red people are, if I can put it that way.
1: Sure, sure. So the, we have about four hundred sixty thousand citizens in the in the Cherokee Nation, which makes us the largest tribe in the country. There's around fifteen thousand Cherokee citizens of Freedman descent, and to understand that a little better, we have a base census known as the Dawes Rolls, D A W E S, that was uh, uh, established by the United States at the turn of the twentieth century. At that time, there was a roll that said Cherokee by blood, and it also said. Freedmen. Everyone who was on that freedman role was a slave that was freed or a descendant of the slave. And so now anyone who traces back to that turn of the 20th century role is eligible for citizenship. And we now have about, as I say, Mm 15,000. They are serving in all all walks of life, culturally, civically. My Secretary of State uh, is a brilliant lady named Shella Boland. She's a Cherokee citizen of freedman descent. Uh, Marilyn Van, a great. Freedman advocate, serves on our Environmental Protection Commission. My advisor on Freedman Affairs is a lady named Melissa Payne. So mm-hmm. they're involved in government, business, all walks of life, mm-hmm. uh, but there's about 15,000 sure. of them right now. i got
0: about four minutes left here, and I want to make the most of these four minutes. Let me uh, ask you a couple of political questions, because uh, you raised it earlier, uh, subtly, uh, about those who run for office who can't acknowledge that the Civil War was about slavery. We know who you're talking about. We ain't calling no names, <laughs> Nikki Haley. Anyway, uh, right. <laughs> let me ask you two political questions. On ballot, over the years, or certainly in in, in in late modernity, um, who has been better politically for Cherokee Nation? I'm just curious, Democrats and Republicans, I'm talking now about the White House. Uh and tell yeah. me and tell me about the native vote uh in twenty twenty four.
1: Well, it's a mixed bag I think the native vote was very powerful in the last election particularly in places like Arizona where the Navajo Nation was very organized uh, in Oklahoma we're very organized in getting people registered Oklahoma is a, a red state as they say in terms mm-hmm. of the uh, political persuasion Republican uh, but we, we are we're a powerful voice in terms of public policy uh, and political influence so to your to be more responsive to your question it's a mixed bag the the parties have taken turns failing Indian country over the years uh, sometimes they do it at at the same time, but often it's a coalition. So one of the strongest advocates for Indian country is a Republican named Tom Cole, a mm. congressman from Oklahoma. Mm. He's as uh, he's as conservative as it gets, and well suited for the Republican Party. But he's a champion for Indian country. Uh, I would say on the presidential level. Um, we have enjoyed much more engagement with federal agencies under uh, President Obama than his Republican predecessor. In other words, when the agencies want to talk about how do we improve policy in Indian country, they come ask us more than the predecessor did. They mm-hmm. sit down with us more than there's meaningful dialogue. Certainly the resources have improved, but I have to say under the under the, uh, Biden's predecessor, we negotiated some pretty significant health care improvements. And so I don't need me to be unresponsive sure. to your question, but my response is true. Truly, on Native American issues. There really is a bipartisan spirit. Uh, I do like, though, what President Biden has done on engagement, matching engagement with funding. You can't beat that. We need that.
0: How how do you process, and uh, certainly the African-American community uh, experiences this uh, in certain spaces, uh, when you have somebody like Tom Cole, not to call him out, but since you referenced Mm -hmm. him, who's pretty much wrong on everything else, but he's right on your issues.
1: Yeah, you know, we work with people who, I'd say, uh, up and down some issues I fundamentally disagree with. Uh, mm-hmm. I spent time yesterday at the Oklahoma State Capitol where there's a super majority of very, very... uh uh, ideologically driven conservatives. And I think we have to understand as, as leaders of sovereign nations, uh, just like the president of France, prime minister of Great Britain, we have to come to the United States and find them where they are and, and try to focus in on our issues. Now, we're Americans. We care about things yeah, that yeah. motivates us. I think we have to sort of, uh, i to I say compartmentalize, but for the good of the Cherokee people, I have to compartmentalize when I go advocate for uh, treaty rights, when sure. I advocate for funding. Uh, and that's just part of the job. Uh,
0: Let me close with this.
1: I got about 60 seconds to
0: go. You mentioned earlier uh, as you were moving through uh, uh, a very... uh, deft explanation of some of the questions. I've asked you uh, deaf response. I should say you mentioned the Tulsa massacre I was honored to have in this studio just weeks ago the oldest living survivor of the Tulsa massacre now 109 years old Viola Ford Fletcher was in this studio since you mentioned it I'm just curious of learning history. This is Black History Month. Maybe I can learn some more history here uh, Was there any connection uh, from the uh, between the Tulsa massacre and Cherokee Nation in Oklahoma all those years ago?
1: Well, the the real connection is that was the Cherokee Nation on paper, but the United States had suppressed our government. So at that time, we weren't a functioning government. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our land had been allotted, meaning divided up, and a lot of those uh, parcels of land within Black Wall Street uh, were Cherokee allotments that had been sold, and in some cases, though, Cherokee citizens were still on those allotments, and so there's a connection there. Mm. Unfortunately, we were suppressed, but today we're in that community talking about how can we make it better? How can we yeah. invest? I am glad
0: to see uh, Cherokee Nation doing what this government, the U.S. government, has uh, not as yet decided to do. I was just in conversation this week uh, with an author with a new book out about reparations uh, called Radical Reparations, and he just they're just begging for Joe Biden to say reparations, just put the word in play. Um, so I'm delighted once again to see Cherokee Nation doing what this U.S. government, has, uh, at, uh, as um, of this moment, has opted not to do. And so we thank you for that, trying to make history right. We are grateful to Cherokee Nation Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin, Jr., uh, for coming on this program today to answer these questions. And we're thankful for his work and witness and leadership in this regard. Chief Hoskin, good to have you on, sir. All the best to you. Thank you, sir. Thanks okay. you for your time. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.